And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction of preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to, to come in my dress room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, William Johnstone stars as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie on the lineup from 1950. Then Harold Perry stars as Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve in part one of a comedy episode of The Great Gildersleeve from 1942. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. How are you? Good. How's the dimples? They're doing great. Yeah. They're as deep as ever. Nice. I like them. Well, Lisa doesn't have any Hollywood gossip for us, right? I, I do have one bit of gossip. It's not have? exactly gossip, what but I want to let everybody know that I was in Las Vegas this week. Yeah. And I saw a fantastic show that I wanted to share. Yeah. And it was a David Copperfield show. Um, and it was really something special. It was at the MGM Grand Hotel in Vegas. And, um, I got to meet him afterwards. And it was, did Literally, he make you disappear? That that's what people were saying. I hope he doesn't make you disappear. Oh. Would would you have liked that? No. Oh, I'm only no. kidding. He was so I mean, I was screaming. It was so crazy. I was blown away. I'm going, no way, and I'm yelling. I have, How does he do don't this remember stuff, right? enjoying myself that much at any show for a very long time. That was absolutely my favorite show in Vegas right now. So All if right, you ever well, have an opportunity to see, see David, David Copperfield. Copperfield. And Get if there. you want to see a picture of Lisa yes. with David Copperfield, just check out our Facebook page, Hollywood 360 Radio. Yes, right. I did post a very, picture. Very, very cool. Well, I'm so glad you had a fun time, Lisa. Thank you, Carl. All right, time for the lineup. It was a hard-boiled drama of police action, and like Dragnet, it realistically showed police doing their jobs. The lineup, as the title indicates, centered around the police lineup. The show always began with a police sergeant ordering suspects to stand at attention and a police line so that the victim behind one-way glass could try to identify the criminal. While the lineup was rarely the key to solving the case, it did give the show a rhythm and it also allowed for humor in the interrogation of the suspects by the sergeant. William Johnstone, best known as the second voice of the shadow, beginning in 1938, starred as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie, Wally Mayer with Sergeant Matt Grebs. The supporting casts were a who's who of Hollywood's radio actors, including Howard McNair, Barton Yarborough, High Averback, and Herb Butterfield. The series began as a summer replacement for the FBI and Peace and War in 1950, but quickly got its own time slot and would remain on radio until the spring of 1953 before making a successful transition to television. Time now for a radio episode of The Lineup from November 23, 1950. It's called The Topaz Earring Case. It stars William Johnstone. Here's part one of The Lineup. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city. For under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. 
This is The Lineup. Any place you want, Mr. Kramer. Suit yourself. What's wrong with right here? I sure won't need no ringside seat to pick that thing again. Where was she burned up? The minute she climbed to my cab to get down. Uh, she certainly wasn't mad when I saw her. She was scared. Scared, dear. Well, that was about 45 minutes later, Mr. Yeah. Kramer, when she went in your drugstore. Yeah. Nothing can happen in 45 minutes. Hey, I have your attention, please. You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure of a suspect, have her held. The officers who took your name will assist you. They're seated among you. I bet you're going to get some Please be prompt your questions or identifications. When the prisoners leave here, the matron takes them back to the bathroom where they dress back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back after they leave here. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice. So do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. All right, girls. All right, this way. Move on over to the end of the stage. That's it. Now turn around and face front. Hands to your sides. You, hands to your side. Now look straight ahead. Number one, Georgina Kelso. Beth. Ever been arrested before, Georgina? I've been arrested before. Where were you when the officer arrested you, Georgina? He was no officer. He's just a spy. What were you wearing when you tried to leave the store? A dress. What else? Three other dresses underneath. Number two, Colleen Hodges, assault. Where do you live? That's a good question. Where did you used to live, Colleen? 414 Front Street, third floor. Why did you beat up your landlady? We didn't get along. Number three, Margaret Kentline, open charge. How long have you been in town, Margaret? About eight years. Where is he from? That's her, Lieutenant. That's the one. What do you say, Mr. Graham? It's the girl, all right. No doubt about it. Sergeant Graham? Yes, Lieutenant. Hold number three for interrogation. Say, Ben, I'll be down in communications if you want me. We're letting a couple of them go. Nobody identified them. Okay? Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, here. Here's those cigarettes you wanted. Oh, thanks, man. Well, sit down, Miss Kenline. Thank you. I'm Lieutenant Ben Guthrie. Uh, you like one of these? Thanks. Now, uh, Miss Kenline, how long uh, were you engaged to Larry Zimmerman? Lieutenant Guthrie, I... Four months. Four months. The uh, the cab driver who took you to Zimmerman's place at five this afternoon said you were angry. I was. At Zimmerman? Yes. I guess it's an old story until it happens to you. I found out this afternoon that Larry had been seeing another woman. It's been going on for weeks, right under my nose. I was humiliated and hurt. Well, when I found out, I I went to his apartment to really read him off good. Mm-hmm. 
Now, who is this other woman? You know her? Her name is Edith DeRocca. Lieutenant Guthrie, I, I didn't kill Larry. I didn't do it. <clears throat> you, uh, you have a business here in town, haven't you, Miss Kenline? Yes. Dress shop, isn't it? Run it alone? No, I, I, I have a partner, Mr. Spees. Lloyd Spees. I see. How's it going? All right. Good. We're having a style show downtown tonight. Lloyd's taking care of it. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you stopped in a drugstore at a quarter to six tonight. On the corner opposite Larry's apartment house. The druggist noticed you because you were frightened. I, I, I explained that once. Well, explain it to me, please. Larry's apartment was unlocked. I went in and... We found him in the bedroom. He'd been stabbed. Why did that take you 45 minutes? I don't know. I didn't realize it did. I I, I was dazed, I guess. I should think you would have been. By the way, who is Rifkin? Rifkin? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, Miss Kenline. Thanks. I guess that's it. The, uh, the coroner says Larry Zimmerman died just about 5 o'clock. Lieutenant Guthrie, may I call a lawyer? Well, sure, sure, if you want to. But I don't believe it's necessary, Miss Kenline. I think we're going to turn you loose. Matt, close the window and sit down, will you? You're making me nervous. Oh, I'd be nervous if I were you, all right. I'd be good and nervous. Close the window, huh? I don't understand it, that's all. I just don't understand. Understand what? Why you let her go, that Kenline girl? I told you she's being followed. I put Peters on her. Yeah, but even so... Well, we couldn't have held her anyway, not for long. Besides, there's a couple of other items, Matt. That manila envelope they found up there with the name Rifkin on it, for one. Ripped open and empty. If we knew what had been in it... Uh-huh, yeah. And then, Matt, from the looks of the bedroom, Zimmerman put up quite a struggle, so the boys say... More than you'd expect if he was fighting with a woman. Even a jealous one? Mad enough to kill him? Uh, I don't know, Ben. Well, come on, Matt. Let's go out there and have a look. Don't move that. That's all right. Evening, Lieutenant. Hi, sir. Hello, Becker. How goes it, Becker? Okay. That wagon just left. Must be about cleaned up. Sergeant Mayo's inside there. Good night. Let me have some more of that dust. Come on, man. Thank you, boy. Don't touch it now. Mayo. Uh, oh, hiya, Ben, mate. Hi. We're just about through. Nothing much. Everything in the place is loaded with prints. Uh-huh. Except the handle of the knife. Where's the bedroom? That door there. Over the way, Ben. Here's something. An earring. Where'd this come from? Yeah, it was tangled up in the rug under the body. Oh, that's it. I'm not much of a jeweler, but I can recognize a real thing, and that's it, all right, a topaz. Huh. Pay the rent for a few months. You say you found this earring in the rug under the body? Excuse me, sir, but uh, Sergeant Mayo, that guy's back again. That huh? same guy in the gray Hamburg hat. Just went past down the hall. Now, what guy's this? Oh, some character that's been kind of hanging around for the last half hour. I guess... Uh, never person. mind, Mayo. We'll talk to him. Where'd you go, Becker? Uh, down the hall to your left there, Lieutenant. There's a lounge down that way. All right. Yeah, better get another one from right here if you want. Right. I'll take good. it from here. That's good. 
must be the guy there, Ben. Yeah. Well, good evening. Hmm? Oh, uh, how are you? You live here in the building? No. Nope. We're from the police department. I'm Lieutenant Guthrie. This is Sergeant Graham. Oh, uh, how do you know? You waiting for someone, Mr. Rifkin? <laughs> I have to give you credit, Lieutenant. And that initial on your tie bar helped. There's been some trouble down the hall, Mr. Zimmerman's apartment. Yeah, so I noticed. You uh, seem pretty interested in it, Mr. Rifkin. Well, you had my name, Sergeant, so maybe you know why I'm interested. No, we don't. Why are you? Zimmerman owed me some money, Lieutenant. I expected to be paid tonight close to $25,000. That's quite a debt. And it was my money in the first place. No profit. I don't follow you. He was a broker, investments. I placed that money with him to be invested. And I found out he was trimmed on his last deal. He took an awful beating. I told him I was pulling my money out before it went, too. Told him that this morning on the phone. He didn't like it, but I... He said he'd have it for me tonight. Zimmerman's been murdered. I guess you figured that. Yes, yes, but, uh... How did you get my name? Do you mind? No. We found it on a manila envelope in his bedroom. And the money? Well, what about the... envelope the had been opened. It was empty. What? That money's gone? Robbed, huh? Looks that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it looks. Well, I guess that takes care of that. Huh? Uh, just a minute. Where do you live, Mr. Rifkin? We may want to get in touch with you. Oh, uh, you sure. I, I hope so. Uh, the Beekman Plaza, room 220. The first name's Walter. Room 220. Okay. Well, smoke, Ben? Uh-huh, thanks. You've got to get it back for the lineup, don't you, man? Well, pretty soon. You coming? No. And let me have that earring, Matt. Yeah. I'm going to look up a lady. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Roker, who are you? Police Department, Lieutenant Ben Guthrie. Oh. Well, I'm still glad to know you, Ben. I want to talk to you for a minute, if I may. Right now? I'm in a big hurry, Ben. I got a date. It's important, Mr. Roker. About Larry Zimmerman's death. Oh. I already heard about that. Poor Larry. You don't seem too broken up, Edith. You think it'd help any? No. You're not wearing your earrings, Edith. Hmm? The pinch mark shows. That's why I'm not wearing them. They pinch, so I took them off. Hey, look, am I under arrest or something? No. Then I really got to run along. Look, I'll be back about midnight. Then we can go inside and be comfortable and talk about anything you want for as long as you want. That is, if you care to wait, Lieutenant. I might just do that, Mr. Roker. We'll see. That dress shop on the corner must be the one. Yeah. How come the lights are still on? They had a style show. Spee's the partner on it. Hey, stop here, Becker. Yes, sir. And <sighs> wait in the car for us. Come on, man. Right. <sighs> must be in the back. Mr. Spees, open the door. The police. Police? Well, come in, please. Thank you. 
I'm Lieutenant Guthrie. This is Sergeant Krebs, Mr. Steen. Well, how do you do? Hello. How do you do? I suppose you've heard about Larry Zimmerman? Yes. Yes, I have. It's a terrible thing. Margaret, Miss Kinline, told me. In fact, she just called me from her place about five minutes ago. She's frightened. She thinks she's being followed. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's nothing to be worried about, Mr. Speed. It's a plainclothes officer. Uh, an officer? Oh, <laughs> I see. Mr. Spees, we'd like to know how Miss Kenline got acquainted with Larry Zimmerman. Well, as a matter of fact, it was through me. Yes, Larry and I were quite good friends. We lived next door to each other, oh, for over a year. Do you know much about his business, Mr. Spees? How he made his living? Well, no, not much. Actually, he was sort of an adventurer, really. Quite a successful one, I always thought. Very clever with money, investments, so A gambler, in a sense. In the market, you mean? Oh, yes. I, I always counted my pennies and envied the nerve Larry had to plunge. Uh-huh, Mr. Spees, uh, do you happen to know if Miss Kenline had topaz earrings? We found one at Zimmerman's place. Well, forgive me, Lieutenant Guthrie, but I really believe we should try to get in touch with Margaret and Miss Kenline. You see, I told her if she was afraid to stay home, she should leave and go to my place. That's Monroe Avenue, 4111. Now, I'd planned on leaving... All right, uh, maybe you're right. Uh, what's her number? Oh, it's Abby, 2344. Uh, on the phone's right there. Yes, that's right. Well, she's really quite upset, you know, Sergeant. She's got me worried, too, you know. Anything should happen tomorrow, I just don't know what I'd do. Really. Uh, yes, yes. I can appreciate how you feel. No answer, man? She must have already left. No answer. Hello? Hello. Hello. Who's this? Peters? Yeah. This is Lieutenant Guthrie. Oh, I lost her, Lieutenant. She's gone. I was slugged. A man. A man in a gray hat. A Homburg. Well, it was a phony, all right, Ben. Walter Rifkin hasn't lived in the Beekman Plaza in five years. But we dug up a home address on him and uh, an office set up downtown. Yeah, well? Oh, nothing, Ben. The office was just a bunch of stockbrokers' catalogs and a wastebasket full of scribbled figures. Nothing more. And the house? Mrs. Rifkin and two cats. Says she hasn't seen husband Walter in a week. And I don't think she cares if she ever sees him. Well, how'd you make out? Rifkin's never been arrested. There's not a line on him in the files. So? So I'm stupid. Now, now, easy. I should have played it your way, Matt. Should have kept Margaret Kenline under arrest and locked up Walter Rifkin just to keep her company. Maybe, but you didn't, Ben, so let's take it from there. <sighs> yeah, that as well. Matt, look. One, Larry Zimmerman was killed. Two, Margaret Kenline could have killed him. I don't think so. Why not? Soft face, soft voice, Ben. No, no. Walter Rifkin. Matt, if Margaret Kenline did kill Zimmerman, why did Rifkin go after her? The missing 25 grand, maybe? It's mm, a good reason, Ben. That's a lot of dough. Yeah, I guess it is. Hello. Who? Oh, yeah, put him on, Sergeant. Manny Pomeroy, Matt. This will cost us a little, but it might be worth it. I talked to him about Rifkin earlier tonight. Yeah, hello, Manny. Oh, fine, fine, thanks. Yeah, what did you find out? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, it can be important. A blonde, huh? Eat us, somebody? Edith, you sure? Okay, okay, just checking. Yeah, well, sure. Sure, it's a help, Manny, sure. Well, come around in the morning, will you? Yeah, so long. Good news, Ben? Yeah, 
Pomeroy says that Rifkin has a girlfriend in town, a blonde, an Edith somebody. Edith Taroka, then? Yeah, Edith Taroka. The reason Larry Zimmerman tossed Margaret over. But this is a new angle, Matt. Edith tying into Rifkin. <laughs> Want to come along? It's the Marlboro Hotel. Well, I can't right away, Ben. I got to run a late lineup for the narcotics boys. Okay. Look for you later, Matt. You again. Hey, I thought you guys worked in shifts. I'd like to talk to you, Mr. Roker. I'm too tired. I still got to put my hair up. Mr. Roker, were you at Walter Rifkin's apartment tonight? Uh, since I saw you, I mean. No. You sure? I'm positive. You weren't in the neighborhood? I wasn't within a mile of a neighborhood. One of my men says different. Then tell him to ask for a pension. He's going blind. Now look, Mr. Roker. You look, Mr. Cop. When I left here, I went to the Broadmoor Bar and Grill. I never moved out of it until I came back here. And just in case you don't get around much, the Broadmoor is on Lancaster and East 39th, a couple of fat miles from East 60th and Chelsea. Know anything else, Ben? If so, get a warrant and arrest me, huh? I'm very tired. That's part one of the lineup with the Topaz Earring case. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to hollywood 360 radio and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Lisa, before we get back to the lineup, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website and a Facebook for this show. And the cool thing about our website is that there's a podcast. We put a podcast up every Monday which is a four-hour podcast of our program from the week prior. We also have a bonus hour at that uh, website on the podcast. So you get like well over four hours of classic radio shows via podcast, which means you can listen to it whenever you want. Right, Lisa? Yeah, in the cars are a really good time, too. Yeah. All right, let's get back to this. Uh, the lineup from November 23rd, 1950. It's called the Topaz Earring Case. It stars William Johnstone. And here it is, the conclusion to the lineup. Here we are, Lieutenant. 
The next corner is 60th and Chelsea. Garage, a vacant lot, a duplex, and an apartment house. Okay, Becker. Wait here. Sergeant Greb and I'll try the apartment house first. That should be it. Come on, man. Yeah. Say, Ben. Huh? That Edith DeRocca, do you think she'd tip off Lickin? <laughs> I sure do. But I had the hotel desk refuse her an outside line if she asked for one, and I called in for a squad car to pick her up. She won't be in the way. Well, we'll see if this is it. The mailboxes are over there. Wait, Ben. Hmm? There's an elevator boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, can I help you, gentlemen? We're from the police department. Does Mr. Walter Rifkin have an apartment here? Yes, sir. He certainly does. 3D. Oh, I uh, guess you don't want to be announced, though, huh? Why do you guess that? Been any trouble? Oh, uh, not exactly trouble. Then what happened, son? Oh, nothing much. It was just a girl. I think he called her Margaret. Uh, maybe it was Marjorie. Anyhow, she ran out of here a little while ago. Came down the steps and got in a cab outside. Mr. Rifkin was after her? <laughs> he sure was. But she got away. Rifkin went back upstairs. So when was this? Oh, about ten minutes ago. You want to go up? I think we better. Say, uh, bet you fellas go out on plenty of strange cases, huh? At all hours. I mean... <clears throat> Third floor, it's to your right. Thanks. Go on back downstairs, son. Yes, sir. Cover me, man. Right. Who is it? The police, Mr. Rifkin. Lieutenant Guthrie. Well, Lieutenant, what brings you here? I... Mr. Rocco was very helpful, Mr. Rifkin. Edith. She said she didn't want to be mixed up in a murder, Mr. Rifkin. May we come in? Why? <sighs> Sure, why not? I have nothing to hide. Come in, gentlemen. Living room straight ahead. Uh, this is far enough, Mr. Rifkin. What? The lieutenant means that pocketbook on the table there. Oh, that. Well, it's... It... Uh, don't waste well, I... a lot of time, Mr. Rifkin. The pocketbook isn't that important. We know what happened. The elevator boy told us about Margaret Kenline running out of here. The police officer you sapped at Miss Kenline's apartment got a good look at you first. Now, look, lieutenant. What I told you before was the truth. Not tr all of it. You didn't tell us about Edith DeRocca being your girlfriend. How does she fit in? Well, we... We were working together. I wanted Larry Zimmerman's files, his contacts, names, and numbers. I wanted the inside track that he had. I'd know what to do with it. Getting all that was Edith's job. What about Margaret Kenline? Why did you bring her up here? Because I think she killed Zimmerman, and whoever killed Zimmerman must have gotten the money that was supposed to be returned to me. Did you find it on her? No, no, she... She got away from me before I could search her. You have looked through her purse there? Looked through ten times. It's not there. But what is there, Lieutenant? Convinced me. I've got the right party. What do you mean? Now hand me the purse, man. I mean that I found a receipt in that pocketbook for a pair of earrings. A pair of topaz earrings. What do you know about those? All I know is what I heard a cop say over at Zimmerman's place. That one topaz earring was found on the rug under the body, right? Yeah, Let's see what's in it. Yes, compact lipstick, wallet, pack of lifesavers, another lipstick, and a receipt. Made out to uh, Miss Margaret Kenline for uh, one pair of topaz earrings. Mm, soft face, soft voice, that man. My mistake. Mr. Rifkin. Yes. Does Margaret Kenline know that you've seen this receipt? No, no, I didn't go through her stuff until after she ran. Good. Maybe she didn't run too far, then. Yeah, her partner's place, Lloyd Spees, Monroe Avenue, 4111. Uh, say, if, if you find her and she still has my money, I'll get it? 
Probably, Mr. Rifkin. But exactly what you'll do with it for a while, I don't know. You... What do you mean? The lieutenant means that you're under arrest for assaulting an officer, among other things. Oh, Ben, do you want to have a second look at any of this stuff? No, I don't think so. Receipt's enough for me, Matt. I'm sorry. Hey, Matt. Hmm? Look at this. What, the receipt again? Yeah. Read it carefully, Matt. Then take Mr. Rifkin in, will you? I'll see you at the morning lineup. Why, why, Lieutenant Guthrie, I didn't expect to see you again tonight. Well, come in. Thanks. Mr. Spees, has Margaret been here? Why, no, she had. Well, not tonight. I mean, you care for a drink with him? Spees. Yes, Lieutenant? She was here, wasn't she? Oh, no, no. She... Oh, well, what difference does it make? Yes, she was here about 20 minutes ago. She, she killed Larry, Lieutenant. She said that? Yes, when I mentioned the earring that you said was found in Zimmerman's apartment, she stopped trying to hide things. She she admitted everything. It wasn't very nice to hear. Jealousy was her motive, huh? Uh, I'll take that drink now, Mr. Spees. Yes, it was jealousy, Lieutenant. Uh-huh. And when she left, uh, she give you any idea where she was heading? No, she didn't, Lieutenant. No place at all is what she said when I asked her. Uh... What are you looking for, Lieutenant? No place at all could be suicide, Spees. I know, I know, but uh, she's a murderess, Lieutenant. I, I didn't try to stop her. Should I have? Could you have? Stopped her? Stopped her? And turned her over to me? Could you have done that, Spees? Well, of course, I suppose so. Why not, Lieutenant? For one good reason. Your life, Spees. You see, I think you murdered Larry Zimmerman. <laughs> Me? Oh, no, 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 no. It was Margaret. <laughs> I told you that. Yes, I know, but I don't believe you. I even think Margaret's still here, someplace in this house. You haven't had time to take her no place at all. Yes, but the earrings, aren't they important? Don't they count? Sure they do, sure. More than anything else. More than you know. I have the receipt for those earrings. Yes, a receipt made out to Margaret, is that right? Right, to Margaret. For a pair of topaz earrings, which she rented. But... Renting? Mm-hmm. For one of the models in tonight's fashion show, no doubt. The fashion show speeds that you ran because Margaret wasn't going and you were. So it was you who had the earrings, not Margaret. And you who dropped one of them at Larry Zimmerman's. Again, not Margaret. Now, where is she, Spees? But I, I don't know. She isn't here, I told her. Stay away from that door. Is she in the bedroom? Is she in the bedroom? Yes. Yes, she's tied up, but... She's all right. I wasn't going to do anything until later. I had to kill Zimmerman. Why, Spees? Did you invest with him, too? Yes, it was only $2,000 with every cent I had in the world. When he told me I'd lost my money, I just went out of my mind. You know the rest. Yes. And Walter Rifkin's money, the 25000 that was in the envelope. You have it? Yes. It's inside. Lieutenant, <laughs> How oh, I wish I'd never met Larry Zimmerman. How oh, I wish I'd never heard of him. Oh, 
lineup. For before you pass the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. Listen again next week when we again bring you the lineup. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, I will The lineup, starring William Johnstone as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie and Wally Mayer as Sergeant Matt Greb, was written by Gene Levitt and Robert Mitchell, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were John Stevenson, Ken Christie, Gene Bates, Irene Winston, Sidney Miller, Howard McNear, and Eddie Firestone. The lineup is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Every Friday night on most of these same stations, you'll find two of CBS's most thrilling dramatic programs. Up for Parole and Broadway's My Beat are heard every Friday on CBS. Be listening, won't you? This is CBS, the star's address, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the lineup from November 23, 1950 with a Topaz Earring Case starring William Johnstone. But right now, Lisa, time for part one of The Great Gildersleeve. Let's go back to January 4, 1942 with The Diet starring Harold Perry. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Each week at this time from Hollywood, California, Kraft presents Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. And now let's visit our friend, The Great Gildersleeve. Here you are, Mr. Gildersleeve. I cut your extra large portion of roast on account of you must be extra hungry. Well, why should I be extra hungry, Bertie? Because you didn't touch your soup or your salad. Uh-huh. No use. You saving up your appetite for the serious vittles, the meat and the potatoes. Yes, the serious, the meat and potatoes. Well, to tell the truth, Bertie, I don't think I'll have any. Uh, you didn't fill up on hot dogs while you're out now, did you? Why, what a question. As if I would. Oh, you didn't. Did you, Uncle Moore? Marjorie, do I look like a man who stuffed himself with a lot of sandwiches and soft drinks between meals? Well, Uncle Moore... Uh, Leroy, I was asking your sister Marjorie. <laughs> well... I can tell soon enough. Huh? If you eat your dinner properly, then the suspicions I, I is positive of now will prove to be completely erroneous to my total surprise and everlasting amazement. <laughs> now, Bertie, you're a wonderful cook. You've got a right to be proud of your work, but did it ever occur to you that there might be some other reason why I'm not eating my dinner? Such as, for instance, what? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's like this, uh, Yes, I've got it. Funny how I almost forgot. <laughs> Funny how you just remembered. Uh, what is it, Mr. Gilsey? Well, I suppose I should have told you about this before, but I've gone on a diet. A diet? A diet for heaven's sake. It was kind of sudden, wasn't it, Unc? Yes. No. It was one of my New Year resolutions. But this is the first you've mentioned it, Uncle Morton. New Year's was on Thursday. Oh, was it? Oh, yes, of course it was, yes. <laughs> It always comes on Thursday, doesn't it? Oh, no, that's Thanksgiving, yeah. Well, I've been thinking it over ever since I made this resolution, and I think I'll try it out for, uh, say, a day or so. Oh, you should try it out longer than that, Uncle Throckmorton. But suppose he gets hungry. Well, of course he'll get hungry. That's the purpose of a diet. Not this one. You see, the real reason... Uh, Leroy, remember the old Chinese saying, 
Small boy who talk big seldom get invited to basketball games second time. Excuse me for standing here with this here plate of food in my hand, but is you on this diet or is you isn't? I is, Bertie. I mean, I am. I'm sorry. It's a delicious-looking dinner, but... Well, you better take it away, Bertie. We must do all we can to help Uncle Mort keep his resolution. Yes, but I wish I knew more about this diet business ahead of time. It wouldn't have been necessary to practically ruin a perfectly lovely cow. <laughs> oh, I think it's just grand of you to go on this diet, Uncle. Huh? And I'm going to do everything I can to help you stay on it. Oh, well, isn't that nice of you? <laughs> now, if you can't eat, at least you can smoke. You smoke? By George, you're right. And you haven't even started that box of cigars I got you for Christmas. Oh, yes, them. <laughs> Where are you going, Marjorie? Bring you those cigars. Oh, my goodness, Leroy. I received some horrible Christmas cigars in my day, but these are a new low. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen cigars made out of cigar coupons. <laughs> oh, gee, if you don't smoke them, she'll feel bad. If I do, I'll feel a lot worse. <laughs> I'm telling you, Leroy, a single whiff from one of those punk perfectos... Ah, back already, my dear? <laughs> Here they are, Uncle Mort. Uh? Oh, I just can't wait to see your eyes light up when you light up one of these cigars. Uh, it looks like you got a glow, Unc. <laughs> well, to tell the truth, Margie, my dear, I, uh, I also made a New Year's resolution to curtail my smoking. Oh, well, in that case, you can cut these in two. What? That way they'll last twice as long. Oh, I, I better save them, Marjorie. Yeah, I think I'll give up smoking altogether for the time being. That was a smart move, Uncle Mort. Yeah. Well, in that case, I'll just hide the box, so you won't be tempted to take any. Oh, you needn't do that, my dear. I feel sure that they're strong enough to keep me at a safe distance. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm strong enough to keep them at a safe distance. Uh, uh, saved by the bell. Oh, Betty's busy in the kitchen. I'll get it. Yeah. Gee, Uncle, aren't you getting pretty deep with those New Year's resolutions? Well, Leroy, you talk as if I were insincere. Oh, are you? Young man, that's neither here nor there. Well, look who's Judge Hooker. Hello, Hello, Buffalo. Yeah, I hope I haven't come butting into the middle of your dinner, Gildersleeve. Oh, no. In fact, Uncle Mort isn't having any dinner. You aren't, Gildy? What's the matter? Sick? No, I'm not sick. <laughs> He's going on a diet, Judge. Isn't that wonderful? I'd say it is. Why, do you realize that with Gildersleeve here on a diet, this country won't have to worry about a food shortage? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. I'll bet you put on ladies' hats at parties, too. And not only that, Unc's given up smoking. Yeah. Oh, now, wait a minute. Don't you know, old man, that if you don't smoke, you're bound to eat more? And if you go on a diet, you'll naturally smoke a lot? You just can't do both of them at once. Hey, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, the ordinary person might not be able to, but... Uncle Mort is really a man of iron. Uh, who, me? Yes, you're just a little rusty, that's all. <laughs> oh, go on. Gildy couldn't keep a resolution like that any longer than Hitler can keep a promise. Is that so? Don't judge everybody by the way you judge yourself, Judge. If I wanted to, I could stay on a vegetable diet and keep away from tobacco for, uh, for a whole week. Yes, and lose ten pounds, too. Gildy, it's a good thing for you I'm on the Superior Court bench. Otherwise, I'd make some money betting you you couldn't. Oh, hiding behind your legal gown, eh? Well, it's lucky for you you're not betting. Why? How much would you put up? Uh, any amount of money. Fifty dollars? A hundred dollars. Too bad you're afraid to bet, Judge. Who's afraid? I'll take you up. Yeah, but, but you can't do that. 
How would it look if anyone found out that a Superior Court judge was gambling? But this isn't gambling, Gilday. It's not? No, this is a sure thing. <laughs> That's what you think, Judge. Here's what I... I'm going to take you to the cleaners. And it's a bet, huh? Yes, sir. No meats, no sweets and cigars, and ten pounds off in a week. Is that right? Right. Shake. Shake. Well, this is going to be the easiest hundred dollars I've ever picked up. Don't you think so, Leroy? Don't you think so, Marjorie? Oh, my goodness, I should have gotten odds on this bet. <laughs> Good morning, Leroy. Good morning, Marjorie. Good morning, Bertie Lee Coggins. Better fix a great big breakfast for me. What'd you just say, Miss Gilsley? A uh, lovely day, isn't it? I've got an enormous appetite this morning. Better bring me three or four scrambled eggs and some bacon. Oh, no. I'm in more of a ham mood this morning. Whoa, there, Mr. Gilsley. Have you forgotten something? Oh, yes, of course. Some waffles. No, Uncle Mort. You've forgotten all about your diet. What? Oh, oh, yes. Well, I've changed my mind about that. But you can't, Uncle. You bet Judge Hooker $100 you'd lose 10 pounds inside a week. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I did. Well, I've fixed a real non-fattening breakfast for you, Mr. Gill, please. The non-fattening you have? What is it? A nice big glass of hot water and lemon juice. <laughs> what a sour way to start the day. How did I ever get into this? But don't you remember, Uncle... Be quiet, Leroy. <laughs> Never mind breakfast, Bertie. I'm going to drive downtown and get to work. But I intend using the car this morning, Uncle Moore. You? What am I supposed to do, walk? Well, of course. The exercise is going to help you lose that ten pounds. It's exercise? But I can't walk all the way downtown, especially on an empty stomach. Oh, yes, you can, Mr. Gill, please. You just keep your coat buttoned. Nobody will notice Uh, that walk down here sure made me hungry. Uh, oh, miss? Uh, miss? Hi, good morning. You wish for some breakfast? Yes, I want a lot of breakfast. I want half a grapefruit, a baked apple, a breakfast steak, and not too small, and some potatoes. Oh, uh, what kind? Hash brown, french fried, and mash? Yes. Yes, which? Yes, all three. <laughs> I want some cooked cereal, hot cakes, a pair of eggs, sunny side up, toast and coffee. You got it? Uh, yes, sir. On the number two breakfast? Yes, on the number two breakfast. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but all that doesn't come down on the number two breakfast. Yes. You could have it on the number six breakfast, except it comes cheap a la carte. Oh, of course. Well, all right, let me have it any way I can get it, just so it's quick. And, miss, yes. uh, bring me a glass of hot water and lemon juice. Put it down right here in front of me so I can sneer at it. Yes, sir. <laughs> hmm, some people. Uh-huh. Uh, I hope she hurries. My stomach feels like an Arizona rain barrel in July. I'm telling you, for the last time, Irwin, not another dollar until... Hello. What are you doing here, Gildersleeve? What? Uh, oh, hello, Judge Hooker. Well, I never expected to see you here. I bet you didn't. What are you doing here? Well, I uh, just dropped in for... Uh, let me see. Oh, yes, uh, for a glass of hot water and lemon juice. Oh, well... Gildersleeve, I want you to meet my brother-in-law, Erwin Pidge. Who? Erwin, this is Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. The pleasure's all mine. Yes, <laughs> That's the first portion of The Great Gildersleeve, January 4th, 1942, with The Diet, starring Hal Perry, also in the cast Earl Ross, Lillian Randolph, Walter Tetley, and Lorene Tuttle, sponsored by Kraft, is heard on NBC. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, Lisa Wolf, next time it's the conclusion to The Great Gildersleeve. Then it's the Cisco Kid, a good Western adventure starring Jack Mather as Cisco with Harry Lang as Poncho. You're like my Poncho. All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs> 